For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. How about the, the quarterback sneak touchdown, right? That's that's a weapon. <laughs> right up your alley. That's a weapon. It's a weapon now <laughs> that they have it, right? But they haven't had that for what? The past seven, se- past seven seasons or so. Well, man. ever since old number 11 uh, went on to the NFL, so. we just haven't seen it done the same. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Paydirt Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State is 2-0 after just a nail-biter against the Ball State Cardinals. No, that went about exactly the way Penn State fans and the experts and the pundits all expected. Penn State walks out with a 44-13 victory. We are going to break down the entire victory, the first home game at Beaver Stadium with fans in two years, the home opener. Very special day, very important. Uh, 300th win in program history at Beaver Stadium as well. And, of course, we are going to look forward to the primetime whiteout home game next Saturday against the Auburn Tigers. Everybody's gearing up for this one. So we are very, very excited. we got a lot to dive into here on the Pater Podcast. But first, a reminder, it's that time of year again. Easy for me to say. And all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron for the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. So, Tom, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. Apparently, he's going to try out for Paul Gasol's team. Mm. He's been taking a new product. He owes the credit to Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. It's like vitamins or supplements, just in liquid form. One ounce a day, three times a day, and in a week, you'll see the effects. You know, and obviously, as a former athlete, the older you get, you need to find out what works best for you, right? Whether it's more time in the weight room, more time, you know, in the training room, you know, focus on your recovery or supplements. Again, whatever works for you and whatever you can find that'll help you perform at a high level every single day, right? And that's how products like Balance 7 can help you. This is good. You can see how Balance 7 has helped him. And, and right now, if you go to balance7.com and use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, you'll get $10 off their 32-ounce bottle. The bottle lasts 11 days, which is the perfect amount of time to feel the pH balancing drink go to work. Again, that's balance7.com and use the code BLEAVE at checkout. I did. And if it worked for him, it could work for you too. 
Hey, Penn State fans, getting the best in Penn State apparel and gifts has never been easier with a couple of clicks on your computer or phone. The student bookstore can make it happen, whether it's the latest styles of Penn State apparel or great PSU items for your next tailgate. The Big Blue on the Corner has it all with great prices, fast service and a huge selection. Visit our new and updated website at thestudentbookstore.com or Visit us in downtown State College on 330 East College Avenue. SBS is open seven days a week and always open at thestudentbookstore.com. Speaking of being in downtown State College, is it shocking that my voice sounds like this at all to you, Matt? Because I was in downtown State College tailgating and I got to go to the Ball State game. So I had a ton of fun. (laughs) That's awesome. How was it? How was the atmosphere, man? It was it was really cool. One hundred and five thousand plus crammed in there. It was just special. Obviously, not forgetting the greater importance of the day being the twenty year anniversary of September eleventh. Uh, it was really nice to see all the things that the athletic department and the stadium and the the team were doing in honor of that and memoriam of that. And then when it came to the game, it was just very special. And I remember the opening video. I always get very uh, excited and I get the goosebumps going when I see that stuff because you're just so excited for the game. But it was. It was special. It was different because it had been so long and you could feel that energy. And where I was sitting in the the lower uh, portion of the north end zone, uh, you and I had talked about it last week, guys running out onto the field through those gates, through the blue band. And all I could think about is what you talked about is like looking up. And I was like this sea of humanity. It just was such a cool scene. And then obviously the icing on the cake. Penn State took care of business as everybody expected. When you watch this, what was your first reaction just overall to the victory against Ball State? Well, it's what they were supposed to do, right? That game shouldn't and wasn't a problem for Penn State. And they didn't do too much either, right? They didn't show too much time. This was about as basic of a game plan as you'd expect to see before a whiteout game versus Auburn. And not that you don't take this game seriously, because of course you do. Right. You respect every single opponent you play. You treat every game as if they're the same. And it's like, you know, it's not necessarily about the opponent. It's about you and getting better as a team, executing the game plan, going out there and being able to translate what you learn in practice, what you've seen on film and being able to put it all together uh, on game day. But this was uh, listen, I think by no means was this a warm up game or anything like that for Penn State. Ball State is a good football program. They, they really are. They're headed in the right mm-hmm. direction. They're defending MAC champs. Don't win a lot of games this year. So if you're Penn State right now, you should be feeling pretty good about what you did on Saturday and how you were able to handle them. Yeah, and uh, considering, you know, we'll get to Auburn. Auburn's first two games have been against Akron and Alabama State. They've hung 60-plus points on both those teams. So that those were tune-up games. This, you could probably classify it in the same capacity, but what uh, Ball State is capable of, you got to be very happy in the fact that Penn State was able to bottle up David Plitt for the most part. I think he was 25 of 39 for 176 yards passing, two interceptions. That, Granted, he's got a high, uh, complete, higher completion percentage, but really not the day they were hoping to get out of Plitt. Ultimately, Hall, who we spoke about last week, the receiver, number 11, three catches for 16 yards of the long and nine. He really did next to nothing. And the thing that was encouraging for me was watching the Penn State defense just be swarming to the ball carrier on a regular basis. That is the difference in the caliber of athlete. You understand that. But at the same time, it looked to me, Matt, that defensively, Penn State looked very sharp. They looked to be playing their assignments, and rarely did you see guys out of position. What did you, you see? Know, 
the first thing I noticed was how loud it was. Oh, it was loud on on the TV. On the TV, oh, it I'm was loud. Myself, yeah. I'm like, it's loud here, man. On the on these early drives, it is loud. Look, I loved the pressure by this defense all day. Right, they never took their foot off the gas and, and single backer pressures, and you know, kind of getting exotic there on third downs. Um, I thought Curtis Jacobs did a nice job in there in the first half, taking over for Brooks. Just a few things that stuck out to me. There was a third down, Joey Porter Jr. You can just see how he's getting more and more experience here uh, as you know, throughout week one and week two here. And he's really just settling in and getting comfortable in that cornerback position. There was a play again on third down where he just settled at the sticks, right? It was third and medium. I'm just going to sit here. You want to take this throw in front of me? Go ahead and take it. I'll guess what? I'll go up and make the tackle, right? He's baiting mm-hmm. a quarterback, right? I mean, he's got that much confidence now. That was great to see. Um, you know, a lot of moving parts in the secondary, and I get it in a game like that at Ball State at home. You want to try to get a lot of guys reps and see what you have, right? Create depth. What do we have moving forward? If we need somebody, who can we count on? Hardy. I mean, he showed out, man. I mean, that's he yes. made tackles. He had the interception. He used that game to make a statement and say, hey, listen, if you need me, I can make plays for you moving forward. So I think in that way, in the way Penn State was able to play a lot of players, it was great for their defense. And you talk about depth, uh, specifically with the secondary. It's something to monitor. I don't know if it's a a major concern yet, just because Jaquan Brisker, I don't believe he was listed on the injury report going into the Ball State game. Clearly, the guy was hurt against Wisconsin. We all saw it. He came on and off the field a bunch of times. Um, Jaquan didn't play a ton against Ball State. I noticed it early in the first half. There was a lot of Jonathan Sutherland paired with Jair Brown for the safeties. You could see Brisker kind of in and out of the lineup. How how concerned are you about that uh, with Brisker's status? I'm not, you know, um, and that's okay, right? If this is a game that, you know, we we feel like we don't need him this week to win. We feel like we have enough talented guys in our secondary where Jair Brown, Jonathan Sutherland, and the rest of this group can kind of take over and get the job done without, you know, again, he was on the ground three times in that Wisconsin game. Mm-hmm. So we don't know how healthy he is, what he's struggling with, if he's just dealing with some nagging, you know, muscle related injuries or maybe what it was. It's probably the right decision that he didn't, you know, that, that he wasn't involved a lot this week, you know, because look, they're, they're going to need that kid moving forward. They're going to need his leadership. They'll certainly need it Saturday night against Auburn. Yeah. And then if things go well against Auburn, then you've got the Villanova game, which, again, no disrespect to the Villanova Wildcats, but that might be an opportunity where you can be like, hey, we're going to sit a fair amount of guys if we don't need to play them at all or if it's just, hey, you need a week, and, and maybe Jaquan's a guy like that. So we'll, we'll continue to monitor that. Um, you talk about leadership on the defense. I do want to get to the offense here in a moment. The defensive leadership is just outstanding. I think you and I talked about it so much back in August about a couple spots where there's competition here and there, questions along the defensive line, but – this is a team loaded with dudes. Yeah. I mean, you've got Jaquan Briskers doing great. We barely mentioned Tariq Castro-Fields, not because he's not doing anything, but because <laughs> they're not working him. They're not trying to go after the guy. I'm not saying he's a lockdown corner by any means, but he's been really solid. Um, Jesse Lucetta, Ottawa's very own, playing linebacker in the first half because Ellis Brooks was ineligible due to the targeting penalty against Wisconsin. And then in the second half, Jesse Lucetta goes to DN where he's been looking great and makes a one-handed pick six. Jesse Lucetta, have a day, man. Seriously, it was awesome. 
That's like I had to rewind that play while I was watching. <laughs> it was so cool because I'm like, how did, how did wait wait a second? How did that just happen? Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. he's pressuring, pressuring, rushing, rushing, and then he sees pass, and just to be able to settle and get depth and drift and pick it and pick it and return it. I mean, what like you can't ask this kid to do anything else for you. He's just he, he's ridiculous. He's not just accepted the transition to defensive end and. He's he's really embraced that. And Jair Brown, as well, has mm-hmm. really established himself on this defense over the past two weeks. And you mentioned Castro Fields. We just talked about Brisker. You know, these first two weeks, he, he's kind of been overshadowed a little bit, you know, by those guys and, and you know, how well they've done and their leadership and how well they played. But he's somebody who really stood out to me over these first two weeks of the season. I want to mention this, though, Tom, because, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about the goods of Penn State defense. One thing I did notice, and again, I talked about the pressure, right? Single backer pressures, pressures on third downs, getting exotic with some of the looks, bringing the nickel off the edge, um, which I think they're going to do that again this week, bring pressure out the edge because Bo Nix can run the football, right? He's played a lot of football, man. He can create, he can run a little bit. So if you keep him contained a little bit and put the pressure on him, I think you'll be okay doing that. But this defensive line, when it's a four-man push, I didn't think there was a ton of pressure versus Ball State in the I past agree. game. I really didn't. Now, they're good at stopping the run. They really, really are, but you had one sack this week. There, there, I don't even think there was a hurry, right? It I mean, didn't feel again, like Again, Ball State went to a lot of quick game, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, Tom, if you can't find ways to apply pressure with your front four and you have to become a blitz-heavy team, eventually... You're going to get beat behind that. You're going to get beat deep because to continue to put your corners, your safeties, backers, man coverage, and leave those guys on islands, I mean, eventually they're going to break. Offensively for Ball State, they only managed 69 yards on the ground. So you're encouraged by what we've seen from some pretty stout defensive linemen, a lot of guys that are uh, definitely disruptive run stoppers. So that's been positive. But again, It's Ball State, putting everything in perspective. I'll probably say that 100 times this podcast, but still, that's a good performance against the team that you should do that against. So you're encouraged by that, but you're absolutely right because we were talking about Arnold Abichetti every other play against Wisconsin, especially in the first half, and it just felt like this was a relatively quiet afternoon, and that's okay. I was encouraged to see a lot of different guys get opportunities in the second half when the game was clearly out of hand, more so in the defensive side of the ball, Mm -hmm. and that way you could have – a look at what guys might be able to contribute if it's this season or even next season. It's just kind of getting a handle on those guys. One thing, my hat's off to Ellis Brooks. The guy could not play in the first half, as we mentioned. He was the first guy to meet players coming off the field, high-fiving them, jumping up and down, showing tons of excitement. And then in the second half, most of the starters are out. Ellis was still out there. He was getting his reps, but he was working with the backups. That's got to be invaluable for very young players on this football team to play alongside Ellis Brooks. Yeah, it just shows you the support these guys have for one another, right? I mean, the, this team environment James Franklin has created there is fantastic, man. Everybody wants everyone to do well. You know, these guys have no problem sharing the field, right, w- with one another. They they just they they all play off each other too, right? Somebody makes a play, somebody else wants to make a big play, um, and that w- that was great to see by Alex, Ellis Brooks. You see how far he's come as a player and, and as a leader, man. And you know, uh, again, definitely one of the most important guys on that defense. This is a really good defense. Let's yeah. see how they do against Auburn next weekend. But um, So that's kind of what the defense was doing. Let's flip to the offensive side of the ball. Mr. Quarterback, what's the verdict on 
Sean Clifford's performance. Yeah, look, I thought he was decisive, right? I, I thought he saw the defense very well. He knew where he wanted to go with the football. He's seeing the field very well. No dangerous throws, right? He took the completions. Yeah. You know, at times he had nothing downfield, nothing in the explosive pass game here. So what did he do? He took off. He broke off a few nice runs. Again, we talked about that. Less is more with Sean Clifford. You know, the, the rule that I learned, Tom, when playing the quarterback spot is that you need to convert one first down with your legs as a game, right? As a quarterback, you know, he's certainly a better runner than I was. So maybe two or three yeah. conversions with his legs. They probably told you one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they'll tell Sean five. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, yeah, hey. no, Matt, you're, no, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, you're good. You're good. I'll say, I was going to say two or three, right? Two or three conversions with his legs. <laughs> a game is good. But I think he's starting to really get a good feel for when to be able to utilize the run and, and utilize his ability to run. I loved early on the boot play on early downs from under center, right? It's just mm -hmm. a simple play. You know, for a quarterback, you need some no-think plays throughout the course of a game. Quick game, boots, screens, stuff like that. Just something where I can just turn my brain off for one play and know that I'm going to get an easy completion for seven, eight yards. Maybe a guy breaks a tackle and it's 12 to 13 yards. So I thought they did a pretty good job of that for Sean Clifford. He, he, he did a good job of spreading the football around, right? This shows you that the offense is working. Right, He's going through his progressions. He's going through his reads. He's letting defense dictate where he's going to go with the football. You know, uh, There was a third and five play uh, I want to bring up, and they were in a five-man pass pro. And instead of trying to scramble or panic, anything like that, he just slightly drifts, buys a little time, and, and, and fights Washington on a shallow cross for the first down. Now, for me, where Mike Yurchich, this offensive line, this running back, wide receiver, Sean Clifford, where they need to develop and where they need to develop in a hurry are these third downs, are these downs where, where these defenses are dialing up pressures. You know, the third and 10 in the second quarter where he misses Lambert Smith on mm -hmm. a touchdown, right? He overthrows him. Why? It's a protection issue. Ball State's in a three-down look. They bring five to the weak side, right? They four-man slide it, but there's a fifth free guy. That's Kevon Lee's guy. You got to go. Instead, he tries to get out as a check down. You got to go, man. You got to communicate with him. Hey, Kiva, watch him. You got to go. That's your guy. If he picks it up, he has an extra second to throw the football, and he could be accurate, and that's a touchdown, right? That's six instead of a Jake Pinniger field goal, right? I think too many times, Tom, he threw hot Saturday, and by hot, I mean not enough blockers or mm -hmm. miscommunications where it should have been picked up, but it wasn't, you know, and... It seems like he has a lot of freedom at the line of scrimmage now where he can say, hey, I'm bringing a tight end in and I'm changing the protection and I'm blocking and we're picking it up. And guess what? This is going to be a big play downfield and they're not going to do it again. That's what you have to do. If, if you show a team that we don't have an answer for what you're doing, guess what? The next drive, the same thing's going to happen. And if you don't pick it up again, it's going to happen again. So, I mean... They have to have a plan moving forward. Look, it goes back to, if you're an offense on a quarterback, you have to be begging teams to pressure you on third down because you know you have an answer, right? Moving forward, especially against Auburn now, moving forward, throwing hot for four or five yards or whatever it may be is not good enough. You need to make them pay for bringing pressure and down out pressures against you because it's going to happen. I guarantee Auburn gives them exotic looks, red zone, third downs. I guarantee you they get crazy defensively with some of their looks. And guess what? They'll be ecstatic if he throws it for just a completion and they have to punt or he throws it hot and it's not a first down and they have to kick it or, or it's just three points, right? That's an Auburn win.
You got to make teams pay for bringing you pressure, man. You got to be ready for it. And they need an answer. Have to be well prepared for that. To, to Sean Clifford's credit, he's 21 of 29, 230 yards passing, one touchdown. And then you mentioned what he did on the ground, 11 carries for 66 yards and another score, uh, a long of 43, which was very impressive. What I took away from that, and and again, I was at the game, I watched a lot of passes that it was like, you know what, he's not forcing anything. It's the calm that we've talked about. It's If it's not there, throw it out of bounds, live to play another down. What concerned me was the amount that he was running it. Now, granted, Ball State was very happy to just be like, yeah, we're not going to let you beat us. They were far worried about getting beat on the deep ball with Jahan Dotson, and frankly, the deep ball wasn't there. Part of that is on Sean. It wasn't terribly accurate, but it just wasn't tremendously present in this game against Ball State. Credit to Sean in that he took what was given to him. My concern is the game was wearing on, and especially as it was out of hand, it was like, hey, listen, Sean needs to, like, even though this is Ball State and you're going to take the seven yards, like, don't get hurt, man. Mm -hmm. Like, really, you got to be careful. And listen, I I hear this undercurrent of Penn State fans be, oh, we're stuck with Sean Clifford. Oh, man, why why don't we keep Will Levis? You know what? Screw off. Sean Clifford is an above-average quarterback. Is he Trevor Lawrence? Nope. Who is? is who, he, who is? Is he, is he Anthony Morelli? No. Okay, let's just put everything in perspective. He is substantially better than his backups right now. So if you like to say we're quote-unquote stuck with him, fine. Put that the way you want it. Sean Clifford is steering the ship, and he's doing a very good job right now. Considering, Matt, this running game clearly – Minus his 66 yards, it's about, what, 180 yards on the ground that they mustered. Can they straight up run the ball efficiently with the tailbacks against competition like Auburn? You know, they ran, well, I thought it was a changeup for them this week. They ran counter a few times. Which was a yes, which was a yes. which was a good play for them. It really was. I love when they're able to get these backs downhill, right? Noah Kane's able to showcase that speed, especially when he gets out on the edge. And then you bring Kevon Lee in as a changeup, right? That tough downhill back that he is. I still think at times he was trying to do too much. Not as bad as week one, Tom, but I think yes. I think he caught himself. He caught himself this week, right? He needs to be a one cut guy. See it and go. I think he realized that, and we saw a perfect example of that to start the second half with him. That was the best set of runs we've seen from him in a long time, and and, and that includes going back to last year. And on top of that, too, if we can continue to see these backs making plays out of the backfield in the pass game. Oh, yeah. Right? They did it a few times on Saturday. The playbook gets that much bigger for this offense. Defenses have to prep that much more for these running backs and the pass game. The only thing I don't want to see, and it didn't happen a ton. It happened a few times. I, I just, I don't want to see these guys running towards the sideline, right? I want to see them get downhill or get the edge. And if you can't get the edge, plant your foot and at least try to get back to the line of scrimmage. North South. Yeah, that's it. North South, baby. Uh, I want to talk <laughs> a little bit more about the running backs, uh, a little bit more about the running backs. And then uh, definitely want to address the Penn State offensive line. And then we will get into Auburn. But before that, I have some exciting news because our podcast is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone here's how it works sign up for our contest believe football pick them at playactionpools.com and then get your picks in each week we're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between the nfl and college football whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of dc shoes 
Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor Pick'em as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Penn State football season is finally here, and the best place to get started is the student bookstore. The Big Blue on the Corner is a great selection of apparel and gifts and everything you need to get your tailgate roaring. We have cups, plates, tablecloths, napkins, serving trays. If it's blue and white, you can find it at SBS. There's always something going on at SBS. Every home football Sunday from 11 a.m. to 11.45 a.m., the Nittany Lion will be at SBS signing autographs and posing for pictures. Stop by SBS and meet college football's greatest mascot. Extended open hours during football weekends and always open on the web at thestudentbookstore.com. All of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. And we invite you to join this fantastic community of Penn State students, alumni, and friends at the annual THON 5K, powered by PNC. The event will take place on Sunday, October 10th. This year's theme for the event will be Illuminate the Journey, with both in-person and virtual races taking place. Last year, the virtual THON 5K, powered by PNC, THON volunteers and supporters from across the country collectively ran over 57,000 miles in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON, the 5K event, or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. So Matt, talking about the running backs, let's shift gears to Noah Kane. You talked about him. 20 carries for 69 yards and a touchdown, but what was really special to see from him was to chip in in the passing game, three receptions for 30 yards. He was Mr. Checkdown for Sean Clifford, and that was really nice to see because to kind of use the parallel uh, in the NFL, think James White with the New England Patriots, what he did for a little while for Tom Brady, and now maybe what he's going to do this year for Mac Jones. That is an invaluable position and, frankly, something you don't see often out of Penn State running backs. What do you think of that wrinkle? Yeah, you know, you're right. I think game planning for these guys is going to be huge moving forward, right? How can we find ways to use Noah Kane? How can we find ways to use Kevon Lee? How can we find ways to use Devin Ford, right? A lot of times when you have special guys in the running back room or at the wide receiver spot, tight end spot, wh wherever, Tom, you know, on your game plan, you you'll have special packages for these guys, right? You know, certain situations, uh, wherever you may be on the field, right? Hey, let's get no in there. Let's run this play. You know, let's get Kevon in there. Hey, I want to go, you know, 12 personnel, right? We want to run the ball downhill here, something like that. So you have certain plays where you want to focus on these guys, man. And I was thinking that as I was watching this game, I'm like, 
he's doing a really good job of mixing it up with these running backs today, right? Noah Kane here on this drive, you know, catch out of the backfield, gets on the edge, shows off that explosiveness and that speed. Next drive, Kevon Lee comes in, they're running the football downhill. So I think if they can continue to change it up and, and mix up these guys there in the backfield, that that's just going to keep defenses on their toes. They're not going to know what's coming. Um, and it's going to, it's going to help tremendously in the pass game as well. And you, you'll slowly see, we talked a little bit about this last week, Tom, about them spreading defenses out with the wide receiver game and stuff like that. If they start to run the ball, well, naturally guys start to creep in a little bit. They start to focus in on trying to stop that run and boom, next thing you know, they start going back outside wide receiver game. It starts to open things up a little bit on the outside. So a great job. I really did think it was a great job of him changing it up there in week two. There was a lot of motion, especially in yeah. the first half. Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, those guys were in motion a lot, just trying to reveal the defense a little earlier for Sean Clifford. That seemed to work out great. I do want to keep an eye on the tight ends. There was nothing, unfortunately, really to talk about with them. Uh, Theo Johnson had two catches for 29 yards and a touchdown, which is nothing uh, to sneeze at. But at the same time, for the bulk of the game, you saw all three tight ends, and they didn't do a ton. Yeah, well, no, it was good to see Taquan Roberson at least you know get some drives in the game and yes. get a touchdown pass. It was a nice throw, you know. And I think about being thrown in that spot as a backup quarterback, man. You just want to go out there and be able to do your job, you, you, like that's it, you know. You know, at that point, you know the game's over, but you want to prove it to yourself, prove it to the team, prove it to the coaching staff that uh, hey, man, you know if I'm called upon, I'll be able to get it done for you. And I mean, he looked pretty good, and you know you can't mimic that experience that you get. Right, those game reps, man. You can do whatever you want in practice, whatever you want in the film room, man. But there's nothing like being out on that grass on Saturday afternoon and getting real reps. So Penn State's fortunate they were in that position and you know, fortunate that Taekwon at least got a few drives in that game. Yeah, that was good. And uh one one last question about the offense. The offensive line, um, it still seems like they're making up their mind about what combination of front five is going to be the combination. And we may not ever get a consistent starting five, which supposedly might not be the end of the world. But what did you think about them, uh, especially in the run game, uh, the Penn State offensive line? Wilson started this week, right? Which, look, I'm fine if you want to start you know, somebody over another guy, at least early here, just to see what you have. But running guys in and out, changing it up every other drive. Like, I'm not for that, right? You need to find... Fine against Ball State. Exactly. Fine in, that's in why, that that's why I'm fine with it. Yeah, that's why. But, like, you need to find some consistency here so I know what I have when I walk into the huddle, right? So we can continue to communicate on a high level so there is no mistakes out there through the course of a game. I think they need to be better in the pass game, Tom, when it comes to these games and stunts and twists up front. They have to do a better job passing those off and kind of understanding where guys are going to be and where guys are going to end up. And they're going to get it Saturday night versus Auburn. That's one of the things Auburn does very well, especially on third downs, you know, and finishing with the offense here. You know, this offense, this offensive line, this offense as a whole, I'm going back to the first drive of the game, right? That's what I needed to see. 13 plays, 78 drives. Can you sustain drives, yep. right? Can you mix up your looks offensively throughout the course of a drive? They had a little bit of everything in that opening drive. I love the misdirection, right? You mentioned jet sweeps, jet motions, things like that. Use that speed. Get creative. Get guys out of position defensively. I like the quick stuff on the edge, quick play action, the RPO game, right? It's fine for this game. That's all you need it Saturday. How about the, the quarterback sneak touchdown? Right. That's that's a weapon <laughs> right up your alley. That's a weapon. It's a weapon now that they have it. Right. 
But they haven't had that for what? The past seven, se- past seven seasons or so. Well, right? ever since old number 11 uh, went on to the NFL, so we just haven't seen it done the same. My, you know, my, again, my, my last, my last thing here on this offense, you know, I, I talked about the wide receiver screen game and how much I love it, but there's a time and place for it, right? You know, I thought they went to it a little too much at times. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I know John Dotson, he's, I know he scored on this. So it was a second and 10, it was a screen. But yeah, that's the tough you part. Because like, well, you don't know, well. you don't know, right? It's, yeah. if you're calling it just to call it, that's different if you're getting pressure, you know, where you're like, I got to get the ball to my hand. I'm alerting to a, a wide receiver slip screen here right now. And it's going to be a big play because they're bringing pressure. You just, sometimes you don't know if you call it just to call it. I don't necessarily like it at second and long because, and it happened once in the game. If it gets blown up, now yeah. you're looking at third and long. That's not a world you want to mm-hmm. live in. It's not a world you're going to want to live in versus Auburn Saturday night. Again, I'm sure it was a big part of the game plan, but I don't see it being a part of the game plan Saturday night. It could be an answer for Sean Clifford if he's getting pressure, but I, I just don't I don't see that being a big part of the plan. And you never know the mind games of coaches where, hey, let's put it on tape. If it works, hey, right. it, it clearly works. This was a worked. game to if do If it that. doesn't work, this was a game exactly. It's that. like, hey, yeah. Auburn, take a look at this, and then especially yeah. later in the season when the Big Ten has collected plenty of tape yeah. on Penn State. So, well, Ball State, Penn State took care of business. Now, this Saturday night, in prime time on ABC with college game day from ESPN on campus, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, Penn State hosts Auburn. Uh, at the time we're recording this on Sunday, we haven't seen the new updated rankings yet, but both teams obviously going to be ranked. This is a huge game. Um, in terms of the state of the program, what is the significance of this game, in your opinion, for Penn State? This is is this five years in a row now? Game day has been here. Is that or is that right? Or you might be right. I think I, I think I heard that somewhere, but I mean, wouldn't be shocked. I, I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah. What what an <laughs> like what an environment this will be, and I mean, you've kind of been able to market this as Penn State versus the SEC, right? Penn State versus Auburn, game day. I mean, you're selling this to recruits, man. You really, really are. And once you see, if you're a recruit, once you see this whiteout and this scene, I mean, I'm trying, I'm like bringing myself back there right now when I was playing, you know, and you don't, you try not to get too lost in the lights, Tom, as a player and looking around. But like, there's been a few times you stand on the sidelines, you know, you just kind of, you glance up and it's just, it's, it's, it is a sea of white. That's mm. what it is. But there's been times too, where you kind of look past the sea of white and you actually see fans and you're like, there's a lot of people in this, in this stadium <laughs> right now. And it's, it's, it's yeah. crazy, man. It's, it look, it's, and it's so bright. Like, you know, like that's, yeah. what is that? What is that like on the field? Because I've always thought about, standing on the field and playing and like jersey colors clashing potentially yeah. with uh or or getting lost is that no a, you can, is that a reality you can see everything like that's how bright it is like it's so bright oh, so, it oh. Actually, so it actually helps oh yeah i think at least at least from what i can remember what i can remember you know it's just it's so bright you can see reflections off of helmets you know what i mean it's just wow. it's so bright on that that field man um it's uh yeah it's it's a sight, man, and we've talked about it a lot, how impressive that atmosphere is and playing in that stadium. You know, you, you don't get that too often in college. You don't get that too often in the NFL. Well, I ask about the state of the program victory. Let, let's not jump to conclusions. And that let's say that if they win the game in the first place, right? Last year was horrendous. Everybody can agree with that. 
This is year eight for James Franklin. We've talked about how members of the fan base are not necessarily thrilled with what has happened, especially in the last few years. If Penn State wins this game, is James Franklin in good shape? Does it mean all that much? Because there's plenty of season left. Or is this just a nice litmus test this early in September? Yeah, I think we'll find out how good they are, you know, Saturday night here. Not, that's not taking anything uh, away from Wisconsin, who, again, is one of the more consistent teams you're going to see throughout the Big Ten. Or It's just this is kind of a different breed of cat, right? You know, playing Auburn and talking about their team itself. I mean, the weapons this team has offensively is impressive. And, you know, I'll start with Tank Bigsby. This kid, mm. this kid is one of the best in the country. He, one of the best names. I've oh, ever my heard. gosh. Incredible. Great, great incredible. name. Tank incredible. Bigsby. Beautiful. And, and SEC Rookie of the Year. Like, uh, he's fantastic as a running back. He, he really, really is. They've also got uh, the freshman, uh, Jarquez Hunter, who had a buck 47 last week. I mean, this defensive line and this front seven, you know, for how good they've been in the run game, they need to be even better. They need to come to play. And they'll mix it up. They'll bring another guy in, Sean, uh, Sean Shivers. They'll bring in him and change it up at the running back spot. And you'll see, we talked a lot about Penn State using their guys in the pass game. They'll use all these guys in, in the pass game as well. And, you know, Bo Nix, I feel he's in his third year, but I feel like we've been talking about Bo Nix for years now playing college yeah. football. He's like the next Kinda Sam like, Ellinger. I was about to say Sam Ellinger yeah. who played at Texas <laughs> for 45 years. Yeah. And and here we're since we're on the subject of Beaver Stadium, I I do I want to make this point, you know, for Bo Nix, this will be the 27th game that he's played in. He's played a lot of football. And look, I love Beaver Stadium. It's a great stadium, arguably one of the best in the country, arguably one of the best environments in all of football. The crowd is great. And don't take this the wrong way, Tom. It's not going to have the same effect on him that it would have on a Cade McNamara or a Spencer Petrus. It just won't. This kid has been around the game for too long. He's played in a lot of big football games, right? So defensively right now, if you're thinking crowd's going to save us, noise, I think you're wrong. You need to get that out of your head right now. This kid is going to be dialed in. He's going to be on the same page with his wide receivers, his line, his running back in terms of communication and knowing what everybody is supposed to do. He's in his third year as a starter, you know, and with these weapons around him, he doesn't have to play hero. And the first two weeks, he hasn't had to do that. His accuracy has been fantastic, especially in week one. He's throwing the football really, really well right now for Auburn. Well, I'm glad you brought up his week one performance again. Just like we were talking about with Ball State, it was against Akron. It was a 60-10 to 10 win. And then this past Saturday, Auburn hangs 62 on Alabama State. And in the process, Bo Nix goes 9 of 17. Not a really great game. A couple of drops factored into those incompletions, so you do cover him on that. Um, he's pretty honest most of the time in post-game press conferences, and he actually seemed like he felt pretty good about his performance despite what the box score might say. He can be a little Jekyll and Hyde sometimes. And the one comparison that I heard listening to uh, the Auburn Observer podcast, those guys do a great job, is that there are some comparisons between Sean Clifford's style of game and Bo Nix's style of game in terms of their overall ability. Are either guy going to go out and win the football game for you? No. Are either guy going to lose the game for you outright? You certainly hope not. I think Sean Clifford to 2020, more likely. The way he's playing right now, Sean, I don't know about that. Bo Nix, I'm very curious to see which version of him we get. My thought is, Matt, if Penn State gets a lead and it's late in the second half, making Bo Nix beat that Penn State defense 
Not a good formula for Auburn because, as you said, they can run the ball extremely well. And the nightmare Penn State fans have to be wary of is what Ches Malusi and Grendo did from Wisconsin and just ran the ball down Penn State's throat just two weeks ago. So what do you think wins out, that Auburn rushing attack or the Penn State defense? <laughs> this is a bit of a prediction here already. Yeah. You know, I just... When, when you watch this Auburn team and, and you watch those running backs fly around, it's definitely a concern for Penn State right now. I mean, there's no lack of production when they're bringing running backs in and out of the game. Any one of those guys can score from anywhere on the field, right? They can change it in one play. I mean, these guys are fast. They're quick. They're explosive. They don't look like a team that's under a new head coach right now. This doesn't look like in the first two weeks. And again, listen, I understand it's been against Acker and Alabama State. I get it. Right. But it looks like they're playing on air. That's how smooth they are. They're dialed in. They're all on the same page. Right. They play fast. Right. It doesn't look like the six and five team from 2020 that we saw under Gus Malzahn and Kevin Steele. They look hungry on offense and defense. Different. It's a different Auburn team than what we've seen, I think, in years. It is different. And offensively, Seth Williams is gone. He's a Denver Bronco. This is a pretty new crop of receivers in that they're either brand new to the program or they didn't play a ton last year. So a lot of question marks exactly what you're going to get. But all Tom, it is a veteran offensive line. Yeah, I don't want it. But you mentioned wide receivers. I don't want to interrupt you. But these first two weeks, we've seen some guys, man, that that can Mm -hmm. stretch the field. Javarius Johnson, Jackson, Kobe Hudson, Demetrius Robinson, like all these guys are deep threat guys, man. They can make plays for you. The scary part is I think how similar Penn State and Auburn are, at least on the defensive side of the ball. These are two pretty good defenses, and I understand the knock on the SEC, especially over the last 10 years, that they kind of turned into the Big 12 of the 10 years prior, and that nobody really plays any defense. Auburn's actually got some solid guys. Uh, Zacoby McLean, Chandler Wooten, TD Moultrie is a guy you really got to keep an eye on because he's an edge rusher. And that edge position, we see it more and more with the NFL draft rolling around, guys getting drafted, and it just says edge next to their name. These are dudes who can play multiple positions, outside linebacker, defensive end with their hand in the dirt. Moultrie is a guy who stuck around after a lot of guys transferred. You talked about the transition from Gus Malzahn to now Brian Harrison. Uh, Harson, excuse me. There are plenty of guys that left, plenty of guys that graduated. Moultrie is a dude that stayed and he's really developed. So there's some pieces of this Auburn defense that remind you a little bit of Wisconsin. So you're like, okay, if Penn State's going to do the same stuff they were doing running the ball and there's still some pieces being moved around on the offensive line. I spoke to Thomas Frank Carr from Blue White Illustrated. He said they're still looking at guys like Efner and Scruggs to see which spot is best for them. They kind of know what they have in Wallace Walker and Miranda, but it's just trying to find those other two pieces and where they fit best. So my concern is that this becomes another defensive battle, very much like we saw in the Wisconsin game. And then it does come down to your quarterbacks. It really does, because who's going to make the most mistakes? Who's going to give up these opportunities late in the game? Who's going to turn the ball over? That's the scary part for a Penn State or an Auburn fan heading into this whiteout. Yeah, and look, week two and Sean Clifford, he did a good job with his decisions, right? Didn't put the ball in harm's way, took what they gave him, was completion-driven, was able to march his team down the field at times. I don't think that's going to be enough Saturday night, right? You're going to have to, if you're not getting explosive plays in the pass game, this is a game where you're going to have to force the issue a little bit, right? We need to be able to create those plays. We may need to give our guys 50-50 balls down the field and say, Jahan, go make a play for us. Parker, go make a play for us, right? Somebody 
is going to have to step up. And going back, looking at Auburn, you mentioned Wisconsin. I just want to make this comparison because it's one of the first things I thought of when I, I was watching a little bit of Auburn, right? Tank Bigsby is a more explosive version of Ches Malusi. At least that's what I thought, mm. right? I mean, I'd agree with that. Yeah. But again, the depth there is, is, is scary. Yeah. And Malusi looked good. He reminded me a little bit of uh, Chuba Hubbard mm. from Oklahoma State. So there's there's some talent there. Okay, straight up prediction. Penn State or Auburn? What do you think? <laughs> it's unfair, man. I, so I'll, I'll answer first right, and then ahead, you go. go ahead. I, feel, I feel optimistic. I feel yeah. like Penn State wins this one. I feel like there's a lot in their corner. And having the tests in the first week as opposed to two cupcakes like Auburn has had, Penn State's got the momentum. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think the first two weeks have certainly helped Penn State in terms of preparing for this game. You had a tough Wisconsin opponent on the road where you were able to win that football game and take care of business for four quarters. And having Ball State, that's certainly no easy game. Auburn hasn't played anybody. They haven't been tested. I've mentioned that they've looked calm, comfortable, smooth. It looked like they were playing on air because, well, they weren't playing that great of, of opponents in, in Akron and Alabama State. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll know pretty early on here what to expect from this Auburn team. I think if they can establish the run early, Penn State will be in trouble. But if Penn State can figure out a way to stop this run game, I think the advantage goes to Penn State. We're going to find out this Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC. ESPN College Game Day is in-state college. This is going to be big. Penn State fans, don't be all freaked out because of the conference they play in and the brand that's behind the school. This is a very good Auburn team. However, the way Penn State has played, this is a beatable Auburn Tigers team. I'm very excited to see it. I have one more question for you, Matt, before we go. And this is, this is the fan and me talking. It's a whiteout. It's a spectacular atmosphere. I am particularly a fan of uniforms. I think they're, they're fun to watch. I love seeing the new ones come out, et cetera. I appreciate the tradition behind the Penn State football uniform. So let me pose this to you. What if for the first time ever, for a whiteout, Penn State wore all white at home? What do you think? I think it'd be cool. I do. Ah, yeah. See, I never, yeah. look, I never, I, <laughs> I never thought of it because I've always been a fan of you know that old school blue, traditional home blue jersey. I think that's just about as clean of a uniform as it gets in college football. You mentioned the whiteout. My first start was a whiteout. Michigan at home, 2010. I was a sophomore. Mm -hmm. It's going to be electric. I remember so. The, obviously, the Lash Building. You can see Beaver Stadium for where the Lash Building is. I remember, sta right. I remember standing outside the locker room and looking over at Beaver Stadium, and it was so loud that you can hear the cheers. You know, uh, just the sounds of the stadium already before we even hopped on the blue buses to go over to the stadium. Uh, it's a, uh, it's gonna be rocking, man. I, I just, I personally, I think the all white will look really cool. And hell, you got the white cleats from the generations of greatness uniforms. I wasn't allowed Let's to. I wasn't it. allowed to wear white cleats. I know, basic blues, yeah. no names, all game. I'm, I, I love that. The black shoes. I listen. I appreciate all that stuff, and I love that Penn State, a la Alabama, Michigan, Oklahoma, all those story programs. They keep it pretty basic, and it's they don't mix it up too much, and that's kind of the legacy of Joe Paterno. And that's what the school is all about, tr uh, tradition and legacy. However, I just think it would look really cool if we did all white. So James Franklin, if you hear this, give it some thought. 
Maybe ask the players. I don't know. That's just my thought. Okay, I'm done talking. I'm done going into business for myself. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, enjoy the game this Saturday night, and we'll see you next week for another edition of Pater. Oh, Pater! Pater! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.